irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, Keith Razor here. Uh, just letting you know, getting back to business with this whole COVID-19 stuff. I booked my first show in Los Angeles this Saturday night at the Pacifico Catatina Bar. Doors are at 8 and I will be going on at 12 to 12.30 which means this booker either really loves me or really hates me, depending on the bar. Uh, tickets are $10, and if you come for comedy and mention the code word REZA, R-E-Z-A, you get $5 off. Also, my one-hour stand-up special, Keith Reza, Make It Happen, is now on Mad Records. Make sure you buy it. Tell a friend and have them buy it. I'm also on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. And my guest tonight, Brian Moses, is not a Cameo fan. Not on Cameo, Keith. <laughs> not on Cameo. Uh, Alan Lee is the trusty sidekick. He's in New York, and he's not. And I was like, oh, so I showed you a picture. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> What's he doing in New York right now? Uh, he's, visiting his, he's visiting his mom. But isn't it like crazy COVID out there? Yeah, that's why I was like, why are you going to New yeah, York? Yeah, why is he going to Ground Zero right, just, ground zero right now? Just FaceTime her. Yeah, keep her safe. I mean, why is he? Do- Did he tell you why he's- he had to do it? Uh, she's really old, so I think like you know, he was give his final uh, request. Yeah, I think like she has maybe one or two years left. Maybe, wow, you know, is so. there is there a is there a death pool? No, I don't know. Yeah, but we're just, I mean, just riffing. Yeah, that's the name of the show. But then, like, I called Richard Chasler to be a co-host, and then he bailed. Yeah, and his yeah, like, Dick uh, Chasler would do that. <laughs> Not so, a fan. But, like, I wrote, like, uh, some roast jokes because I wanted you to roast us. You know, maybe the judge, yeah. that, that's what you're known for right yeah. now. I mean, well, listen, if we're going to roast Richard Chastel, we can do that all day. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I know Crystalia's in the news, but it's just like, geez. I mean, like, how many Crystalia's does it take to make a, a Richard Chastler, you know? Oh. You wanted to talk about it. You wanted to talk about it, Reza. Uh, I'm kidding. No, no. I'm not really. <laughs> but, uh, what, do, what do you think about the whole uh, Crystalia thing? Because I saw you honestly, on, I saw you on Twitter. You kind of yeah. Well, here's my thing. It's and I'll go on record on saying this, and I've been on record on saying this for a long time. Um, I remember calling out and even being in the comedy store because I know he's like he's a big name at the comedy store, which is a uh, a prominent club here in Los Angeles. Yeah, this is from Los Angeles talk radio. Uh, <laughs> but the comedy store he would uh, frequent often. He's a paid regular. He was a big draw at the comedy store. Yeah. Uh, but I even said like, Hey man, this guy is a little fraudulent just as far as his art is concerned. Not so much as a person. I didn't really know him as a dude. I just knew him as the artist he was. And I just thought a lot of his, you know, the stuff he was doing was kind of hacky, extremely hacky to yeah. a point where just like, how are you guys letting him get away with this? So it's like fellow comics. Right. And there were other comics that would call him out. Right. Mm. And I won't go, I won't say their names because like, you know, I, that's not my place, but they have called him out on separate occasions. And I remember being on stage and saying the same thing, being like, you know, this guy's kind of a fraud. And then what I was kind of standing up for was, listen, whatever Chris did, that's for the victims to attack him for. Right. And then in the court of law, deal with that. Now, it's, it's, that's something I don't know about. What I do know about Chris is what I see on stage. And I was like, well, I'm just not a fan of that. 
Yeah. Now, outside of that, and hearing this, it's like, yeah, the accusations, of course, public opinion, you're going to be like, oh, this guy is a creep. And yeah, I, 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 you can't condone that. Even as a friend, you can't condone what that guy's doing as far as his personal behavior. But as far as artistic in, in, uh, endeavors and artistic behavior, I wasn't a fan. And I was saying that before every comic in L.A. on Twitter is just like jumping on this guy, Facebook, Instagram, jumping on Chris. When like, where were you guys when... He was, he was just he was just yeah. doing stand up. So it's like you guys didn't want to you guys want to you guys want to go for the throne because you guys didn't want the backlash. But all of a sudden now it's like a man is down. You can't wait to put your knee on his neck. You know that, what I mean? That's what I don't believe in. And, and thank I you. Get, I get that reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Keith. But uh, but like when I uh, first started and at the comedy store and they'd have like a lot of these bringer shows, mm-hmm. you know, where Tommy was uh, managing. I never did those shows because I don't have a fan base to bring people. And, right. And I just want to make people laugh. And I don't totally. believe, I don't believe in you can't go on stage unless you have five people or whatever. I don't believe in that. Garbage. You tell yeah. me. Keep talk about it. I believe if you promote it, you're fine. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, you could just, it's not that lazy to tweet. Totally. You, you know? So during that time, Christy Lero was always on the headlining comic on these bringers. Yeah. And I always thought to myself, you know, I, as an artist, I admire his work ethic for always getting on stage and taking shitty shows. Like, totally. I think that's cool. Totally. I'll you know give you that, yeah. Like, because he was already on Whitney, and I think he was uh, doing Undateable at the time. So, like, I was like, you know what? That's he was pretty- building his comedy reps by just yeah. like, getting as much stage time as he could because yeah. he was working off the benefit of having those credits. Yeah. I totally get that. So, as an artist, I respect that. I will admit I think he's a little hacky. You know, I don't think he's big. A thousand. Either. Yeah. Yeah. He's not he's not reinventing the wheel, which yeah. is kind of the problem. It's like this big platform. I don't think he's top ten comics right now. I mean, I don't think I mean we can go history. I mean, yeah. like if this is if this is the demise of Crystalia, well Chris probably didn't crack the top fifty. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So having said that, I feel terrible for the victims. And, exactly. You know, whatever he did. I, I'm not saying I think he knew they were underage. I'm not I'm giving him that benefit of the doubt. Totally. But what I'm saying is there comes a time where, like, and this happened in 2011, where, you know, if you're following someone, you got to look at all the other pictures, and if they're with other young girls, like, shouldn't help go well, off from, in your head? from what we're seeing, it's like, it just seems like Chris was really sloppy. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, to a point where, like, he, he felt so entitled that he couldn't be, uh, you know, he couldn't be touched. Yeah. And you see that, you're like, well, that's kind of a shitty dude. Yeah. Or a crappy dude, sorry. Uh, a bad dude. Um, but when you, yeah, that's kind of what it felt like to me. It was like, you're just seeing, when you see kind of all of, I mean, it's, it's almost endless when you see all the, all the messages and the screenshots, you're like, okay, well, this just seems like this is a pattern of a dude who thought he was above the law in a sense. And by the way, I I don't know if he knew these girls were underage, so I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if there's questionable stuff about the ages, it's like, well then dude, you got, you've got to bring it up to 25 and up or something. I mean like, right, right. You know, it's like, I I understand there's there's 18 and up clubs. You're probably doing colleges and 18 and up, but it's like, you've got to understand that, you know, like, like, I mean, listen, Uh, yeah, you just gotta, that's, that's, yeah, that's, you're, you're being sloppy if you're doing that. And especially if it's questionable, like you got to clean up your behavior a little bit. So in that sense of, yeah, he's, He's as guilty as charged, you know, if he's doing that anyway, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I like to think of the positive on this situation. Well, good. The positive for this works out for me because I've actually written Chris, like his publicist, several times to do this show. Always no. Now I get a screenshot of his number and his email. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I can just ask him personally. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That is a positive, Keith. I didn't even think about it. 
<laughs> yeah, he'll probably say yes to doing the show now. <laughs> he wants to clear his name. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Yeah, Just you're like, hey, Chris, listen, I got, it's LA Talk Radio, it's, it's for a bunch of high schoolers, there might be some interns. <laughs> you, you know what I don't get, though, is like, I don't get, like, I understand this whole Me Too movement, but what I don't get is how come no one's calling out Bay- Barry Sobel yet? Like, that guy. Nobody's calling out, there's a bunch of people that be, they can be calling about. I mean, like, listen, like, again, I, you saw my tweet, it was like, Seinfeld had dated a 17-year-old in California, Wiley, like, that's illegal. It's yeah. 18 is the consent, it's the consensual age out here. So, I mean, he was dating that girl openly, and then that's when Seinfeld was like a hit. It was like the number one sitcom in history at that point. Uh, and he was openly dating a 17-year-old, so. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, again, that's what that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's. Either people just really didn't like this Chris D'Elia, or, or he really hurt these girls. And I think we just have to listen to the victims instead of like listen to all the haters out there who are just like, I don't like his comedy. Ah, you're just like, well, where were you guys? Like, literally six months ago when the guy was like stealing jokes of people and putting on his special like they were his. I didn't hear you then. Right. I hear you now because you're like, I didn't want to say anything, but I didn't really like his comedy either. You're just like, where were you guys before? This yeah. guy was eating off of you guys not saying anything about his, his art. Yeah, you know, and it, it frustrates me. Like, there's a lot that frustrates me about what's happening right now, and it's not just Crystalia; it's a lot of other things. Yeah, all these movements are like they're frustrating. Frustra- they're necessary, but they're frustrating. What frustrates you about Keith Reza? About Keith Reza? Constantly DMing you? What no, you doing my I feel like <laughs> here's the one thing that bothers me about Keith Reza. Oh. Keith Reza, uh, he doesn't come around enough, you oh. know? Like, Keith could be doing much more in L.A. He just stays in his thing in, in Orange County, you know? He just kind of does his own thing. He doesn't come around. He's just like, he's just such a killer, but he doesn't want to, you know, come kill where I'm at. So, oh, I, I mean, if anything, that's, yeah, that's my one gripe about Keith Reza. I appreciate that. I love you very much. Uh, the reason why I don't go to the comedy store a lot is uh, because I kind of got into a huge fight with a regular there. Which one? You want to say it? You don't have to. Yeah, Brian Scalaro. Oh, yeah. A lot of people get in fights with Brian. And I think he's a bully and a liar. And, you know, it it came, it was the point where basically he stole my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you know what, negative energy. And then she was there. And it was just like, you know, they're, they're just shit talking me. It's like, you know what, I'm not even a huge headliner. I'm not even a headliner to be shit talked like this. So I was like, you know what, I'll just stay away. You know what I mean? Right. So... That's I mean, listen, I, I also, I mean, I, I love Brian Squire. That's uh, He is a friend of mine, and I, I, I look out for that guy. So that hurts me to hear that. Well, I mean, that, um, that's between me and him. Right, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, that is between you, so, you two. You know, so I hope you guys can work it out. I, I've I've emailed and said, hey, look, let's – because, you know, I don't think comics should be bitter towards each other. No, we're all – listen, to we're on the same boat. Yeah, we're all on the <laughs> same boat. It's a tough boat to be in, yeah. Especially now when we need each other. I mean, we got nowhere to go. We yeah. can't even go up. Like we're all so anxious. Like we have to. We don't have. We don't have an outlet except for something like this. Yeah. All we have is podcasts and radio. Pod, you know, programs. This COVID nineteen though must have really fucked you over because you were starting to get like weekend dates and stuff, and now mm-hmm. it's like, you know what I mean? Like how how it's gonna that... hurt me? I mean, I know that in, in the future it's gonna hurt me because it's gonna hurt a lot of guys. It's gonna hurt a lot of guys who were starting to headline. Maybe starting to get their name out there as actual draws to bring an audience. So at this point, it's like, you know, they're only going to see people who they'd already trusted to go see, right? Like like your Crystalias or your Whitney's or, you know, whoever they were seeing before. So if if you don't have like a Netflix special or an HBO special, you can be like, hey, you've seen me before. It's gonna be hard for you. So, were you working on a, a special or an album yeah? Or something? Oh yeah, I was were working on me. That. Yeah, I was working on one for, for actually June nineteenth. I mean, I was working. For, I, this was this is my year. I thought I was like, all right, I'm gonna do my I'm gonna do my thing. 
I'm going to record something on June 19th and then shop it around and see who buys it. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't get that opportunity because the whole economy shut down. So I didn't get to practice and really, like, give somebody a 30 to 45 to an hour to be like, hey, we want to buy this, you know. So you haven't even shot it yet then? There's, there is no way. I okay. mean, even now, I, even, like, listen, I have a show this weekend, you right. know, and I know it's, like, the same date I had. But I'm so rusty at this point because we haven't been on stage in three months. Yeah. And, like, I, I, I listen, I do a podcast on a show every week, but it's not stand-up, you know. So I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to jip myself or the fans that I do have of being like, yeah, I, I give you guys my, you know, I give you guys a, I'm trying to give you guys a really great album that's supposed to be memorable, but I can't do it if I don't have the the, the reps. Yeah, you know, I did I did my hour, and the reason why I'm giving you a heads up is uh, make sure you film in 10K. That makes sense because uh, I filmed in 4K, which is oh, still, which is still pretty. Wait good. a minute, yeah, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, 10 10K but camera. 4K, I thought that was better. No, that's what I thought. But no, Netflix only takes 10K submissions. You're kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. Thank you for the heads up. Yeah. I like, Nobody would have told me that. Yeah. So what? that's what my manager told me. That's why Netflix didn't even bother looking at it. They even at look it. at it. Yeah. And it's like, if I'm, I'm, you know how an, as an artist, you're like very proud of certain work. You know what I mean? Like I could write a script and be like, oh, that's shit. Yeah. I'll still get, you know. Ah, yeah, right. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But my special, I'm very proud of. It's interesting. Re- really fucking good. Like I'm not just saying that. It's in 4K, but so it's probably really, really yeah. clear. Yeah. And they still didn't look at it. No. And uh, then I had a meeting. I had a meeting with Hulu, and then all this came, you know, Corona yeah. stuff. And I was like, you know what? I need to get it out because this is where I'm going to get the money. So I, I released it on Mad Records, which smart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Actually, real smart. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. It's not doing well, but, you know. Dude, you're it, on a label, man. I yeah. mean, at this point, it's like you, you should have something to give. So. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm proud of it. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't look at it as like, oh, it's a failure. You know what I mean? No, like, I mean, I'm listen, we'll, we'll promote it. Uh, listen, now that I know that it's out, we'll promote it on, on the Rose Battle, all the all the social media sites, and oh, try to get sweet. that out there. No, I, I mean, it's just like, listen, man. Keith, you're nice, dude. You're oh. really nice on the mic. I, I Maybe people don't give you enough credit, but you are you're pretty nice on the mic. I yeah. like I like the way you get down. So yeah, I'm, I'll definitely promote that. I'm terrible at roast battling. Have you but you're that? a good comic. <laughs> like, you're a good stand up. Yeah. I mean, like I think people don't understand that. We're gonna talk about roast battle. It's um It's two different forms. It's a thousand percent. Like I've seen awesome comics, like 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 greats have a hard time at roast battle. I've seen some really good roast battlers. Who are really bad at stand-up comedy? So yeah. it's like it, it, literally, it's, it's a different kind of skill. It's a different kind of skill set. You know, it's like I'm good at basketball, terrible at baseball. You know that kind of thing, yeah. right? The last it's still roast, a sport, but the, it's, the know, last roast skills. battle I wanted to have because like I lost my last one because I'll be honest, I at that point I was just done trying because I'm not mean. I don't like that. Yeah, and I'm only trying to impress you know Jeff and you. Mm-hmm. And it's like I feel like I already impressed you. You know what I mean? I You're fine, yeah, Keith. You, you, so, you always, even before you start roast battling, you were fine. So, um, but like what I'm saying is like, it, I wanted to like roast the big name, like big namers, like people I actually do have a problem with, to try and hug it out, like Brian Scalaro or Barry Sobel. You know what I mean? Like because they're big names, but also I also think they want to do it. And my last battle, I tried to get the. Do you remember the bagel guy? Oh yeah, I remember I, that. You called him out. I called him out. Yeah, but Jeff was worried about that. Oh, was he? Yeah, well, what was, was the story behind that? that? It was more like, um, even if Bagel guy wanted to do it, it was like he had ulterior motives that didn't. I think he wanted to do it just to get more famous. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. So in saying that, is that's fine by the way because we we take everybody. Like we've never. We don't discriminate. If you if you want to, if you're coming on to get famous, we don't care. Right. If you're coming on to do anything, we don't care. As long as you're like 
your rules can coincide with our rules. And really our only rule is, hey, you can say anything, but at the end of it, you got to hug the person. Right. And my thing was, this guy is so sensitive. And I don't know if he's ever done stand-up comedy, like, you know, performing live. I wouldn't want this guy's debut, in a sense, to be this. He's being trashed, and then everybody's trashing him. Then he loses his mind, and it's like another ploy for him to get in a fight with somebody. And then he becomes famous because we got in a fight with him at a comedy club. Like, I didn't want to promote that. Yeah. It's just it's just a loose cannon. I, I, didn't, I didn't know him. I just wanted to roast him because on Twitter he said I was retarded. Of course. Yeah, and as you should that, have. That, yeah. That but is with my if autism, he's gonna, it, that's like exactly. the N-word. You know what I mean? Like, it is, like, yeah. It's like, dude, that's when I, I don't... And I wasn't even going to mm. pick on his height. I can't believe you said that to you. <laughs> that's, so, that's so rude. You know what I mean? Like... Like my, I even wrote these great jokes. I was like, going to be like, you know, Chris seems to get like upset and when people pick on his height, so I'm going to be the bigger person. <laughs> Keep going. What else you got? <laughs> Give me another one. I don't know. <laughs> Those are good though. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was just watching Austin Powers once and be like, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he wouldn't be an everything bagel. He'd be a nothing bagel. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just like below anything bagel. Just he's well, just the worst. Well, whatever happened to him since that. Because he bailed. Exactly. Know? Yeah. Okay. It's just, and that's kind of why I'm, I'm glad he didn't get to come to Roast Battle because we're not looking to promote that kind of behavior, you know? So, and I, I just know that if he would have said something like that and he would, he would try to provoke somebody in the crowd to fight him, yeah. that way it would have gone viral. But I would have, um, I would have raised a burned him. Totally. You would have I, I crushed him and then he would have, like, <laughs> he would have, he might have attacked you and, like, we couldn't have that. Just because I've never seen the guy do stand up. So yeah. we try to at least have a base of, have you seen the show? And if, you've under, if you understand the show, well, then it's on you then if you take it to the next level. Right. And nobody has. Have you um, ever been attacked? No. No? Have you ever been like scared? Like, oh, my God, I'm going to get attacked? As far as Rose Battle is concerned? No, just whenever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not with a cop. I mean, like. Not with a cop. I meant comedy. Did I say cop? With comedy, no. <laughs> no. Not, not with. Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, all right. Here, I'll tell All right. I'll, 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 I was like, I mean, here. <laughs> Not with a cop, but with comedy, I mean, there's been some situations where um, it's been late night and there's been some drunk people and they'll say some things in the crowd and you're like, wait, what, dude? Do you want to, you know, you know, and then your ego comes out and you're just like, wait, what, do you want to do something about this? And right. Then, yeah. But as far as being legitimately scared of being on stage, there might be one time, but that's, that's few and far between. I feel like that was, that was a really rare moment. Right. Like there was a drunk dude in the audience. It was late, 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 late night. It was in San Diego. I had just been starting comedy. And I was all about, you know, first speech. And I let this skinhead dude in the crowd who was drunk and like stayed late. I let him say the N-word. And then I got mad. But it's also like I let the guy say it. And then I got mad that he said it because I almost challenged him in saying it. And he was just like, I'll say it. I don't give a fuck. You know, I don't give a uh. And then he did it. And then I was like, oh, that's a power that I shouldn't be giving to people, you know? Yeah. So at that point, yeah, I wanted to fight the guy, but I was also scared, like, if I if I get off the stage, is this guy going to fight me kind of thing, you know? Because, like, he was saying it, and then he got, like, belligerent about it because he was, like, excited for saying it. Almost like I was letting him. And then I was like, hey, man, I gave you one. He was just like, ah! And then he just kept going. I was just like, okay, this is a problem. Right. So that was the one time I think I was a little apprehensive of getting off stage, being like, I'm going to have to have a conversation with somebody that I may, you know, he's going to say something that I may react to or I may say something that he may react to, so... In those instances, those are those are learning, pro, you know, those those are learning opportunities that I, I learned from. Thank, thankfully, uh, when you were in San Diego, did you start off at the comedy store over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started. I started there. Started working there. 
I became a regular there. And then, yeah, I just yeah got my chops in San Diego, like all over that city. So what, what's the difference between the clubs? Because I'm supposed to do it uh, with Jay Moore in August, but I'm pretty sure that's going to get rescheduled or Jay's going to. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah, maybe it depends on the club. If it's the uh, American Comedy Company downtown, I think those guys are. No, it was the Comedy Store. The, lo- the... the Comedy Store, maybe. Okay. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know things are supposed to open back up in hopefully July, but I, again, we're just speculating at this yeah, point because yeah. we don't know. Um. Yeah, as far as the, if they're scheduling things, then sure. But, but no, like, what's the difference between the club vibes? Well, because it's just the, the it's just the area store. for the most part. Like La Jolla is at this point in uh, San Diego's. Um, the reality, it's just San Diego is like an old white person's club. Right. Old, white, normally rich, or you get some people from like, you know, the outside counties kind of coming in. as like, oh, this is kind of like a relic. We'll come over here. Because it's not a happening place. So you really have to want to go see comedy if you're going to San Diego or you live in that area. Um, you have the downtown clubs, your madhouse, your American comedy companies. That's a great club. Yeah. So you have those the two clubs downtown. Owner's a little weird, though. Owner's a little weird. He's cool. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Like, but you got those two clubs. You want to hear a funny story about yes, that? Yes, please. Uh, so I did that with Norm maybe four years ago. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it was five. And uh, I was uh, emceeing. I was hosting at the time, and Sean O'Connor was the feature. He was Norm's feature at the time. And the owner comes in, he, and like he was like cocaine on his mind or something. And like Norm just did the first show, and he did, he did maybe two hours, right? And he goes, he's like, "Hey Norm, Norm, second show, man, second show. You know, we gotta start on time. You know, we gotta cut all these other comics this time. You know what I mean? And I need you to do, I just need you to do an hour, man, second show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And Norm just looks at me, he's like, "But huh? Yeah. Well, but why? Like uh, the show should start like on time, you know." Why do I only have to do an hour? He's like, a second show, just a second. He's like, oh, I guess I could do an hour. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, oh, thanks, Norm. I appreciate it. Yeah, I love you, love big man. Yeah, yeah, I'll do an hour. So Norm does like four hours. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Really, yeah, just like, just makes him feel it. Just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, let me get all my thoughts out. <laughs> and it's just like, like that's just how beautiful Norm is because like. Uh, if you tell him not to do something, he's gonna do it. You know love I mean? it, love yeah, it. That's love what, it. That's what I just love about him. And you know, it was the best time of my life when I was on the road with him. And uh, but it's just like he's he's the one comic who I've seen owners try and push, but he does he pushes back. Good in a gentle way. Yeah, I don't see a lot of I don't see a lot of those kind of guys do it. I mean, I'm open for a number of guys, and for the most part, they kind of. They work with. I mean, like, for the most part, the owners are excited that they're there, yeah. and they know that it's a it's a privilege in a sense that like, hey, this guy's here as a special event, like a Norm or a Jeff Ross or a Bill Burr, right, or a Silverman or a Dave Chappelle. Like, they're usually those kind of those kind of openers or, or headliners for the most part are like, like they they need those guys there that way because that those travel for months, right? You know, like and they'll they'll eat like those clubs will eat off of those guys for months, even if like. The next week it's like some not not as big as not as big of a draw as a Norm or a Jeff Ross or a Dave Chappelle or, or a Brian Moses. I mean, definitely not me. I'm saying like <laughs> you need those kind of guys so Brian Moses can eat the next week. You know what I mean? So that's uh, yeah. You really appreciate those guys. So I, I I do appreciate those guys kind of pushing back on some of those owners being like, I don't do what you say. Like they're here to see me. So yeah. honestly, like your club wouldn't exist without a Norm McDonald. You know what I mean? Right. Like they're this is this is a house made for me to come here to make you money but also in essence to make me money but also you know for me to get you know to do my thing 
to but, get my my message across, kind of thing. But there's also some headliners who just don't have that power. Like when I they was don't, on, but Norm does. Yeah. Norm is different. Yeah. Like I, when I was on tour with Jeremy Hotz, who I thought was that was one of the funnest things I had too. No one yeah. knew who Hotz was, so Hotz. Oh, he's major in Canada. Though. Yeah, he's yeah. like. He's bigger than Norm in Canada. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's like Chappelle in Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's huge. So, but like in the states, like you know, he he got pushed around a lot, and you know, he he's did. Bitter. I'm I'm not saying he's bitter, but what I'm saying is like he did everything he can to be fair to me. Yeah. But you know, on the second year, his pull because of his numbers, he didn't have a lot of pull. Right, right, right. And that I cost get that. me. You know. Well, that's kind of like that. Well, that's kind of capitalism too. You know, yeah. I mean? it's like how, how much can you sell? You know, so. I think, yeah, show business kind of does humble people, you know, from that elitist place when they come into it. You know, I think so. a lot of doctors and scientists and like, you know, like some of the brightest minds come into show business because they're like, well, I have a bigger voice here. Right. And it really does take us, you know, the special kind of person to like to get through all the no's before you get to a point where like you're a Keith Reza, you know, you're yeah. a Norm McDonald, you know, where you're like, I know I'm good and I really believe in my art and it doesn't matter what people say at this point, I'm just going to keep doing it. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. with doctors and lawyers, you can't really do that sometimes. That's true. So, do you ever like, uh, like, do you ever like sometimes when you're doing comedy, do you ever like feel like deeply alone when you're doing it, or do you because you're always such a happy guy? You think so? Yeah. I mean, I come from a really angsty place. You know, I, I'm an American over thirty year old black dude in America, so it's like all I really have is my Americanism my blackness because that's what people see and then my angst because of both of those things because Americans are angsty. But you also Black have the angsty. love of me. I have the love of you, absolutely. But I have the love of people. I yeah. think that um, it might be in the way I grew up in, in a way too because I grew up in a really poor rural white community in like the deserts of California um, and seeing like how, not so just desolate, but just how like, you know, a poor white community can operate even when you have you know, people they may be blaming for their problems, right? Mm -hmm. Like a Mexican or a black or, or whatever. They're thinking that, like, oh, I'm not getting a good job because of you. You just kind of see the humanity in the whole thing. And they, and I think, in essence, just us surviving that of them maybe hating on us being there, um, it may be changing their minds about what black people can be because you can generalize easy when you see TV, you know? Because, honestly, there's not enough black or Mexican people to go around to kind of fill up how many white people are in America, you know? Right. And I think just saying that, what I mean by that is I, I've never not had a love for you. And I think the Rose Battle kind of helps me in a sense of seeing all walks of life, right? We've had people with autism. We've had people who are HIV positive. We've had uh, trans women, trans men, um, you know, people who are ex-addicts of all kinds of drugs, right? We've had people of all kinds of ethnicities and races or whatever you want to call those, you know? Um, but we've had every walk of life, every walk of life, and everybody at the end of it has literally hugged themselves, has, has hugged each other, right? Like we've had, like even like, yeah, cerebral palsy, we've had handicapped. We have every, like literally every walk of life, if you're able to roll yourself on stage, walk yourself on stage, or crawl yourself on stage and, and say a joke, they've been able to do it. Yeah. And they've done it consensually. I think that kind of helps me as far as like, you know, having a difference with somebody. Because for the most part, again, we're all humans. Yeah. And I think with Rose Battle, we're kind of a microcosm of like, hey, we're all humans. We're all talking trash to each other. And at the end of it, nobody died and nobody's feelings were hurt. Maybe they were, but we masked it because we hugged each other. And the guys that were on stage talking to each other, they became friends after it. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, I kind of feel like that helps when it, we're talking about what we're talking about. Like, oh, you love, I love Keith Reza. 
first of all, me personally, I would love Kurt Reza regardless of Roast Battle. But oh. after Roast Battle, I'm like, I'm even more of a fan because this guy subjected himself to being spoken about in a certain type of way, didn't take offense to it, was consent- like, consented to it, and at the end of it, he was like, hey, man, good game. I hugged you. And you guys went about your business. You yeah. guys either became friends or you weren't, but you got it out. You hugged each other out, and you guys let it go after that if it was a beef or it wasn't, you know? Yeah. And I just kind of think that that's beautiful, and that's really what it's all about, Yeah. you know? So well, that's I, where I come from. I loved – I never loved doing it. I loved going and trying it, you know what I mean? Interesting. Because, like – I don't know. It's like a skill I'm not good at. I'm not good at being mean. I'm not good at writing. Right. I remember my first roast battle. I had guys at the store call me and say, hey, do you need help writing jokes? I'm like, no, I'm a comic. Like, all I could write jokes. I, if they're not funny, you know, I, that, fine. I'm not going to go to open mics and try them out because when I go, I want to work on my comedy. Roast battling is not my comedy. Right, you exactly. I mean? Good. By the way, people need to hear that. Like, say that louder because I, I want that sound bite. That way I can take that sound bite and be like, just so you guys all know, this is from a roast battler and this is really what it is. Like, that's such a great insight. Yeah. Because it's not stand up comedy. It's not. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who do roast battles think it is. Right. And I don't want to say names because, you know, then it will be a huge roast well, battle. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's everybody for the yeah. most part. Especially when they start, they don't know it's not stand up until they do it. And they're like, oh, this isn't stand up. This yeah. is different. Like, I love the show, don't get me wrong. Thank you. And on Comedy Central, but, you know, comics who were on that show, when they were getting, like, dates, and then their stand-up is just not that leveled, it makes me think, like, maybe it's also a spit in the face to comedy. I don't know. Interesting. Um, I mean, I... And I, I hear, by the way, and I hear that, too, even as, as especially as a comic. I mean, yeah. if I wasn't involved in Rose Battle, I, I've, I've taken myself... I've tried to take myself and put myself in the shoes of somebody who's on the outside looking in being like, what are you doing to comedy, man? Like, now I got to hear all these guys tell jokes about people I don't care about now, right. and they're clogging up, you know, the three to five minutes of mic that I could be taking. So I completely understand that, especially from a comic perspective. And I'm not trying to, like, be mean about it. I'm, I'm and saying, I know you're not, because yeah, you're not that person. I'm saying, like, to the art, like, 45 yeah. minutes. So this, so... Five minutes, it's fine. So the, there was a, there's a, there's a journalist who wrote a book about Roast Battle. So like, she documented the first five years of it, right? Oh, really? Yeah, it's called Ring, Ringside of Roast Battle. If anybody's a Roast Battle fan or anybody else to know about the show, uh, Amazon, uh, Roast, Ringside at Roast Battle. It's a book by Julie Seaboss. So she was Kenny like... Kenny Lyon in it? Yeah, Kenny Lyon's in it. Kenny Lyon, they talk about the first, the first two guys who Roast Battle were Josh Martin and Kenny Lyon. They talk about them. Um, but Julie Seaboss... She was a uh, she was like the only freelance comedy journalist in the country before you know before that became a thing. Right. And she uh, she she had sprung us on LA Weekly, and uh, it got us a New York Times article. It got us booked in every festival kind of thing. So she really helped us, and she also documented the first five years of of our our existence. So her book basically was talking about how roast battle isn't it shouldn't be in the in the form or the realm of stand up. It should be seen as another pillar. Kind of like sketch comedy is, kind of yeah. like improv comedy is, stand up is, roast battle is. Roast battle is a different muscle. Yeah. Like when you do sketch, you're not doing stand up. When you do improv, you're not doing stand up. You know, like you can derive those things from those. You need the skill to do it. Totally. Though. Yeah. Like you need the skill from stand ups. Maybe you have enough courage to, to tell jokes in front of somebody else, in front of your peers and an audience, like roast battle is. Yeah. So it's not stand up, it's roast battling. You're literally. Doing a, a head-on competition live with somebody, and you're talking. Your subject of the jokes are that person. 
So it's different than stand up. It's it's a writing exercise about about a certain subject. I think roast battling is a big skill to have if you're a comic because there's hecklers. And when you have hecklers, you need to be quick-witted, especially if you're a national headliner, which I want to be. I want to be able to destroy Like, Bobby Slayton is probably the best guy in the world at destroying people with hecklers. Loves it. And he loves it, too. He gets off on it. Yeah, he really does. You know, he's he's like, waiting for it. He's like, he's like, oh, God, I hope the first two minutes some guy talks. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're like, right. And you're like, whoa. And then there's guys like Ian Bag, where he's a master crowd worker, but he kind of has it planned out. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying he's writing it down, but he kind of like, he's like. There's a plan. Right. There's yeah. a method to the madness. Right. So roast battling really helps that muscle. And any comic who does it, I praise him for it. But stand up. You know what I mean? It's not stand up, man. It's not you you got to take that out of the equation. Yeah. It's not stand up. Cool. Like, you do it. Because by the way, there, there's people we've had who've never done stand up before. They're like advertisers or lawyers or authors or just like Twitter guys. You know what I mean? Uh, and they, they still have, even after doing Rose Battle, they still attempt stand up. Rose, like, even like, there's rap battlers who do Rose Battle. There's also murderers. Did who you, murdered? Did you hear that? Uh, uh, Drew Carey's fiance was murdered. Or yes, fiance, and the guy who, who murdered her did the rose battle. Did you hear about that? What's the guy's name? I don't remember. Maybe oh, he was on no. Kill Tony. He was on Kill Tony. Yeah, he wasn't. Okay. He never did rose battle. He was a Kill Tony. Okay, guy. but he was. De- he did do something comedy store related. Yes, he was a Kill Tony okay. guy. He was not a rose battle guy. Just so you guys know. So, okay, no, sorry. We had somebody. We had somebody murdered during a rose battle. Did you really? Yeah, it was downstairs at the comedy store. Somebody got murdered that night. Um, wow. but yeah, nobody. Nobody ever, yeah. There's a murderers associated with roast battle. Oh we've had some, God. we've had some pretty skeptical people. Oh yeah, that was my mistake because you're you're also involved with Kill Tony too. So. I'm not. You've done Kill. I've Tony. done. I've yeah. done a guest on, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not a producer. I mean, like no, no, Tony. You're, yeah, Tony's you're, a friend of mine. Yeah. But yeah. So that's what I was thinking. But uh, yeah. But no, man. I thought of a, when that happened, like I was very like. I have a weird sense of humor too, because when stuff like this happens, like I'll write jokes, but then I was like, "Oh God, maybe I shouldn't post this or tweet it because maybe like think people will think I'm like insensitive asshole or something." <laughs> you want to hear the joke? Let's hear it. Of course, <laughs> I want to hear. It. Are you kidding me? So, uh, uh, Drew Carey's uh, fiance was murdered, right? And the oh, guy, no. and the guy who got arrested, and he's on ten million dollar bill, and uh, Drew Carey bailed him out. What? <laughs> Andrew Carey built him out. Wow. But yeah, uh, whatever. I didn't want to say that. I mean, you like, did though. You just said it. No, no. But like, I didn't want to tweet because like, I don't want Drew Carey to hate me. You know? No, you I'm, don't. I'm still trying to win that money on Price is Right. I mean, yeah. But he listen. He's also a big fan of mine, so he's gonna hear this. So, oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Keith. Yeah, your, your career's over as far as Price is Right is concerned. Well, I hope he's over it by now. No, he's not. It's only been a few months, Keith. Come on. Has it really? It's also been quarantine. It's all you can think oh. about at this point. Oh, my God. That's yeah. Right. Oh, I'll just edit that joke out. Yeah, or he'll just bail you out of <laughs> LA Talk Radio Jail. <laughs> Have you ever uh, done it? any like uh, like jokes or tweets that you regretted, even though you didn't regret it? Uh, there's one tweet I regret, and I took it down. This was like when I first started tweeting, I said something about I used I used some derogatory language, but it was like language I can use because I'm a minority. I had I had black skin. Um, and I used it, and then somebody who wasn't said like, "Oof, man, that's a tough one." And I had to look back at it again. I was like, 
yeah, I don't know if that's what I want to be portraying so much because, like, yeah, it's a hard, edgy thing to say. But if I go back over the years, you know, am I going to think this is funny? That's kind of the way I treat Twitter. I'm like, when I write this, am I going to think in in a few weeks, in a few days, in a few years, is this still going to be something I stand by? Right. In that particular tweet, I was like, yeah, that's just because I'm trying to be shocking. That's not so much I'm trying to be funny. And have you noticed that since you started comedy, like your views on comedy and your even as a human actually has actually like strengthened like that? Because yeah, I think not- you, you become when you become a comic, you become way more self aware. It's almost like you're you're downloading a skill you never knew you would have to use like that. I, what I mean by that is when I became a stand up comic almost twelve years ago, it was like. That's around about the same time. I yeah, I remember it was like, yeah, during the Obama years, and you're just like, and then like, you know, because people are always, always people watching. You're always constantly observing people watching and, and commenting and, you know, and doing that whole thing, the whole social commentary of it all. But when you become a comic, it's not so much about being funny, because listen, any, the, the great secret is anybody can be funny. That's not the problem. Anybody can do stand-up comedy. You can literally, anybody can serve. Anybody can do anything. Really? Yeah, I think anybody can be funny. I think there's no there's no human on the planet that can that can't have a funny moment. What differs us is that we have to do it consistently every time, right? And by the way, we may fail sometimes, but more often than not, you want your shooting percentage to be like I made this crowd laugh, right? Right. The average person isn't gonna be. They don't think like that. They think like when they come to a show, they're like I can do that because they've done that. They've been funny before, and they're only seeing you for the first time. They're just like, well, I've been funny. And that guy's funny. I can do that every time. They don't know that you've been like literally bleeding, sweating, crying, peeing. You know what I mean? Like the whole nine of just like dealing with being a comic, right. you know, and like observing human behavior so you can comment and tell them, hey, as your village, whatever, I'm telling you how we are. And this is my perspective from a satirical standpoint. You know, that's where we defer is like, hey, we're being funny on a consistent basis almost every time you see us as opposed to like, yeah, you're funny in front of your friends every once in a while. You can have a funny moment, but can you do it consistently? Right. That's where the comedic comes in. Yeah. That's where your professionalism comes in. Is I'm funny on a consistent basis. I'm a professional. Like there's, I know skills that we, I may not even believe in some of these skills, but I know how to use them to make you laugh to let you know that I'm a professional and I'm I'm more funny than you can be ever in your life because I've trained at this. Yeah. And that's what I mean by it. So that must makes us different a little bit. And see, that's what. Because I, I agree to maybe 50% of what you said. Yeah. I don't think uh, anyone can do comedy, and I don't think everyone is funny. Interesting. I, yeah. I think um, I think that it's a skill, but it's not just a skill. It's also a talent. It's definitely a talent. I'll you give know? you that. Yeah. It's like um, that's like saying I could play in the NBA. I could play in the NBA if everyone in the NBA didn't have arms and legs. That would be great. And that's I mean, a great point. I mean, <laughs> but but everybody can play basketball. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's where I'm coming oh, from. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming from more like you're. By the way, what you're saying is completely right. Actually, <laughs> I mean you're 100 percent right. Uh-huh. Like I wouldn't want my mom playing in the NBA. Like, yeah, she can shoot, but she's not like Stephen Curry. Yeah, I totally get that. But what I, <laughs> that's hilarious. You're actually right. I'm actually concede to your point because that's that's true. Um, <laughs> but what I mean is, I remember the day I was diagnosed with autism was yeah. uh, March 10th, 1999. Great year, by the way. Uh, terrible year. <laughs> Eminem dropped an album that year. It was a good one. And I remember that day because the Lakers traded Eddie Jones to, mm. to the Hornets for Glenn Rice. Remember that. I've hated the Lakers ever since. Interesting. Eddie Jones was my guy. 
I remember I was crying because I got, uh, for Christmas, I got uh, tickets to see the Lakers play the Warriors at the Forum, right, in April. And they traded Jones. And that's devastating for, you know, a 13-year-old because you're like, I can't see my favorite player now. What's good for the tickets? Now Interesting. Have, and now I have to rely on Dennis Rodman. Like, you know, wow. Like it's just, that's so 99 Lakers. Wow. Dude, nobody yeah. talks about that. Yeah. So as a Laker fan, as a as an old-school homegrown Laker fan, uh-huh. I was literally just talking about this before I got here, which is so funny you're saying this, Keith. Because I was talking about the the Eddie Jones Nick Van Exel years. Oh my god, best and, years ever, baby. right? Because we're talking, but before that was like, well, you guys don't even know. I was a Sidel three fan. Like after Magic wasn't the point guard and the whole HIV thing, it was like they had to find guys. You know what I mean? So it was like your Sidel three, it's your Nick Van Exel, you draft Eddie Magic Jones. Was great even when he had AIDS. Exactly. Oh, yeah, he was coach for a second. Yeah, yeah. Cedric Sabalos was there for a second, got a fifty point game. Then all of a sudden, Kobe gets there. You get rid of Vladi, no more Elton Campbell. You get rid of Eddie Jones in 99 uh, for Glenn Rice. Do you care about Glenn Rice? No. You don't. You don't yeah. get your championships till 2000. You know what I mean? So They still would have won the championships with Jones. They, no, a 1,000% th- would have. I mean, that but they got rid of Jones because of Kobe's ego. I think they got rid of Jones because of Shaq's ego. Because I don't really? Think, I don't think they knew Kobe was going to be as great as he was. You think it was Shaq's ego? Interesting. I, you I, say that. I think because, I thought it was more because they they wanted to get Kobe more playing time because they played the same position. But they could have put Jones at small forward or Kobe at small forward. Yeah, but it's also like you're you're telling Eddie Jones, "Hey, this kid's better than you. Will you concede to it?" And, you're, you're Eddie Jones. You're professional. All right, all right. Yeah. By the way, I love this Eddie have, Jones like the confidence ever, you have. Have you ever seen Eddie Jones not smile? No, nah, he was a great guy. He was, I, he was he was a, he was a good dude. Like yeah, he he would have he would have conceded. That's almost like. I think you kind of want to give him more of a shot to be the man somewhere. Yeah. So I'm glad that they did that. So I think it was more of a Shaq thing because when Kobe was still young, you know, Kobe, the thing that that people don't understand about Kobe is when Kobe, I've watched Kobe my entire career. And he, when he first started, he was great, but he was a kid. He made a lot of bad like Bad I, decisions. I remember when he got into a fight with Chris Childs. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, the two-piece. Yeah. Oh, yeah, socked Knicks. him in the face. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kobe could have been professional and just walked away and let Childs get. But he was so young, he wanted to prove, hey, don't fuck with me. Right, and totally. I, I get that because the Knicks were punks and, you know. I'm, yeah, it was a whole thing, right. But as And a, he couldn't back down. He yeah. couldn't, but he could have. You know what I mean? But he shouldn't have. He sh- yeah. Right. So... You know, I think if that happened to Jones, I think Jones would have just smiled and walked away and be like, Chris Childs is Yeah, but Chris Childs to- also wouldn't fight Eddie Jones. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't fight Kobe because Kobe was arrogant. He right. came in as a kid and he had so much hype, and he was also talking trash to everybody. He I said think, he was Jordan. I think Childs only did that to get famous because no one liked Chris Childs. Nobody right? liked Chris Childs at that he point. Yeah, he was just, yeah, he was Chris Childs. Yeah, yeah. you're just like, oh, you, yeah, you fight Chris Childs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I get that. The Eddie Jones would, I love, I love that. That's a great. That's a great tidbit, dude. Yeah. I like that. I know I, you're such a Laker fan. Yeah. yeah. I used to be. And then I became a Hornet fan for a year. And then he went to Miami. I was like, all right. Yeah, I'm a Miami fan now. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Miami booted him for LeBron. Right. And I was like, what the fuck would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out they did it to win a championship. Yeah, and yeah. that's just coincidence. <laughs> you say that. I mean, it's a lot of them. And then I was a Grizzly fan. And the Grizzly sucked. And, that, and then I... I went back to Miami because Jones went back to Miami, and then he went to Dallas, and that was a tough year because he was Jones. That was your guy the whole time, huh? Whole he was time. a Jones guy. A Jones guy. Interesting. Ninety six to what? 
Uh, he retired in 2009. 13 years. Wow, Eddie. Yeah. Not bad. So his first year actually playing was 94. Okay. Yeah, it was 94. You're right. Yeah. From Temple, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was him and uh, Aaron McKee. Aaron McKee went to the, yeah, the uh, Sixers, yeah. But, uh, you know, but I talk about that, too, in my act and stuff. And here's the thing that, like, where comedy and roast battling is uh, different in my eyes. Because, like, when I go on stage, I'm not – I'm just trying to make people laugh about my life. Right. Roast battle, a lot of comics, too, like, probably think I'm a dick or whatever because I don't talk to them. It's not because I don't want to talk to them. It's because I seriously don't know how to talk to them. Like, this is different because it's podcasting. I know you, you know, to a form of, you know, we're friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. And But, like, just random comics, I don't know. I just can't say, hey, I'm Keith. Why is that? What do you think that is? I I just can't. Like, you can't get past the barrier? No. Like, hey, I'm Keith. What's my, going on? My brain just won't let me. Why not? I don't know why. Are you competitive? No. I mean, I, towards comedy, like when I'm on the show. Totally. I obviously want to be the funny. What about offstage, though? No. Can't even. Yeah. I can't I, I can't even. What if you act. like a guy? Like, what if you like a Meyer guy? You're like, I like the guy's set. Like, do you say anything to him? I, I, I can't. Interesting. I, I just, Brain won't even take you there. It won't take me there. Where it's like Josh Meyerowitz, who has autism as well, mm-hmm. he has a different form. Where he's more outgoing, right? But I could tell Myrowitz is actually very uncomfortable too. Right, he's very neurotic too. Yeah, he's got the yeah. It's, so yeah. it's different forms of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? And like that's how I know a lot about A. Jones because that was when I was diagnosed. Yeah, that was a interesting. Nice seven minute conversation. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I had no idea that was such. A, I, I I love that that's your guy because we're just having a conversation about him today. Mm-hmm. So that's I, amazing, actually. I also know a lot about presidents. Which ones? All, all of them? All of them. Really? Yeah. Who's your favorite? My favorite? Andrew Jackson. That's your favorite president? Yeah. That's like known as the worst guy. No, he was one of the best ones. He created the Trail of Tears. Yeah, but he was on the $20 bill and strippers love that. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue that. <laughs> Damn it, Keith. I can't argue that. You mean to tell me you'll give a stripper a... Uh, here's a funny thing. Give a stripper a $100 bill, she'll be like, oh, he's my favorite president. And you'll be like, Franklin was never president. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Jackson's your favorite president because of the stri- <laughs> That's amazing. It's an amazing joke. You know what I mean? Good job, dude. But you know, you know how they say like uh, Trump's the worst president in U.S. history? Yeah, that's not true. Yeah. That's like, not, uh, by, by a long shot, that's not true. It's not true. I, I, it's not even close that it's true. Like uh, He's not even the bottom five. Yeah, but uh, you know who's worse is the ninth president, William Henry Harrison, because he was only president for 30 days. He accomplished nothing but pneumonia. Oh, well, he's got one thing done. Yeah, yeah. so, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, it, it's, like, I have a problem with people who think they know stuff that I know more about. Right. You know what I mean? I'll tell you my, I'll tell you my top three presidents. All right, let's go. It's uh, I'm an FDR guy. Ah, he yeah. he was the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> I'm kidding, I knew that. Teddy. <laughs> oh, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, that's my number two. And then so number, they, were, they three? were cousins. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Roosevelts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a Roosevelt uh, family guy for my first my my one and one A kind of thing. Uh, and then uh, after that, it's almost up in the air. I'm just like it could be a pick'em at that point. Is it Washington? Is it Jefferson? Is it Lincoln because he freed the slaves, right? Is it JFK because he helped, you know, usher in a new era of America? And he fucked Marilyn Monroe. That's cool. That's on the resume, you know. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, at that yeah, at that point, it's like those are kind of my guys. So you want to hear an interesting fact about Washington? George Washington. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, have you ever heard the expression that George Washington never could tell a lie? Mm -hmm. And he's the only president who could never tell a lie or whatever. Well, the reason they say that is because the average, uh, the average human, sorry, they're writing a note to me. So, oh. A red light, so we got five minutes. Okay, cool. Uh, the average human uh, lies once every ten minutes. Sick. I've lied, like, so many times this whole podcast. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, it's not because it's just the brain waves uh, are doing that, you know? So George Washington barely talked. Barely talked. He probably, Funny. He probably talked maybe ten minutes a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why, because his teeth were made out of ivory, not wood, which is elephant tusk. Yeah. So it was very painful for him. Oh, so it hurt to talk. Yeah. So that's why they say George Washington never could tell a lie, because he never talked. <laughs> I can never tell a lie. Jesus, I need like a dentist or something. I mean, what's happening here? What is America? Well, Brian, where can the folks follow you? And they can follow me to my address, my personal address. No, uh, just follow me on at Roast Battle. Just follow Roast Battle. We do a roast battle every Friday. Get us on YouTube, Twitch, Periscope. Look up roast battle at roast battle. We'll take you right there. All the Instagram, Twitter, all the social media handles at roast battle. Follow us. We got some new stuff we're bringing out too. Um, but yeah, anything roast battle, go to verbalviolence.tv or anything at roast battle on social media. Well, I'm glad you finally came down. Dude, took me thanks five, for having me, it took Keith. took me five years. Are you glad you finally did it? It took you two weeks to get me. <laughs> five years, stop it. Two weeks, yes. <laughs> all right, Brian. I love you very much. I love right? you too, baby. Thank all right, you. guys. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, all that jazz. Buy my special. Follow Brian Moses. And uh, we'll take we'll hit the wrong button. We'll talk to you later, Rifters. Have a good day. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith Reza. And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it. And we'll rift with you again soon.